0: Doing. Last week they had Brady, This week they got. Brady. We're doing it. We're literally doing it differently from everybody else. Hey, as a matter of fact, moving forward from this point on, I will not make reference to PML. Ready to get into it? Yeah. yeah. All right. So, we're going team by team. I will be very careful. i slinging stuff. Am I gonna get sued? Are we got legal on this. I yeah,
1: like the like the football season. All the things that go with it.
0: Welcome in to the PFF NFL podcast, Steve Palazzola, Sam Monson. We're here together again. You're back. I am. Uh-huh. Back from Florida, back from Disney World. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's time to talk, uh, this is like the offseason kickoff for real here. When we start talking about team needs, we're talking NFC
1: team needs here today. Yeah. So NFC team needs today, we've got a whole week of uh, Super Bowl content. We're going to be at Radio Row Phoenix uh, during the whole week. And going to have all kinds of special guests. Going to have... Who knows what we're going to be putting together over the course of this week. Yeah. It's a little, uh, it's going to be open-ended. It's going to be crazy. But, um, you know, full disclosure,
0: because we don't lie to people here. We're live right now on YouTube. We're live. Mm-hmm. Maybe on Sunday night. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe recording on Sunday night, but we're live on YouTube right now. You and I are probably in the air right now.
1: Yeah. God willing. We're in the she, air on the way to Arizona. Joe Rogan used to do those, you know, podcasts on a plane things. We're just like plop an iPhone down next to somebody and they just start talking. Really? We could do that tomorrow. We could. Yeah. Yeah,
0: except I usually... Except um, you'll
1: be off in a bulkhead seat somewhere, and I'll be back with the cattle in the yeah, back. Yeah, if we could yeah. get
0: you into the exit row with me, mm. then uh, that would be great. Then we could do podcasts on a plane. We'll just just do some 10-minute you know, hits on a plane. We'll see. Um, so, yeah, we got a, a fun week. We'll do some team needs here. We'll do another team needs episode at some point, and then all sorts of interviews. And, who, who like you said, who knows? Mm-hmm. see how it goes. How was it without me?
1: It was all right. Just we all survived. Right. Yeah. We
0: got through. Shout out to Seth. Appreciate him uh, mm-hmm. coming in from Canada and, uh, you know, filling in nicely.
1: We still need uh, a couple more donations to the charity drive to get us over our goal, so that you can uh, play rugby. I'm excited about what this is going to look like. We've got, you know, professional players sending us video footage. We've got, I think, a sort of uniform sponsor, I guess. Awesome. you are going to be decked out. Well, wow, this is great. stuff. Saul seems very confident that he can get us, you know, an actual stadium to do this, so you put all those things together it's some tv magic right there well
0: let's finish up let's get the last few donations going and get this thing i'm ready to play some rugby i'm ready to rugby Mm. as you would tell me
1: yeah all right let's get into the stuff
0: here nfc team needs you have an article that's a a good guide for us over at pff.com you focused on the uh the top need for all 32 teams but we'll try to hit this high level we'll go team by team nfc today we'll start with with the nfc east and uh who knows what order i'll go in but we'll start with the NFC East. That good, Mike? All right, cool. Let's do it. Dallas Cowboys are up first. We've got uh, a season where everybody's upset. You know, they only lost in the divisional round here. And Mike McCarthy says he's calling plays. Brian Schottenheimer's coming in to be the offensive coordinator in title. And it's time to talk what the Cowboys need. And it might be the same need that they that they had last year. It didn't seem like their off their wide receiver core was – Terrible, but losing Amari Cooper, it pushed everybody up a peg. So you put wide receiver two in particular as the top need for the Cowboys.
1: It pushed everybody up a peg and Michael Gallup was coming back off that significant injury and wasn't the same guy, at least in year one. Now maybe if Gallup comes back year two and looks like you know himself again, then this, I think, need it doesn't evaporate, but it becomes an awful lot less significant. Like they can get by a lot more with that scenario but if Gallup is just sort of not the same guy again um I mean they missed Amari Cooper hugely like there was a reason that we were being inundated with OBJ to Dallas rumors for the last like month and a half of the season or whatever it was they needed that kind of influx and um T.Y. Hilton sort of added a little bit of a spark late on but it just wasn't enough like they need another guy that can come in and take some of the pressure away from C.D. Lamb so
0: when we look at the needs and if you guys have listened to our shows in the past we talk a lot about the past game and you know receivers and corners as as needs even when it doesn't seem like it on paper um we don't completely neglect running backs but clearly those are lesser needs we would say um I think whether whether or not Michael Gallup is healthy though this is a this is a place they need to attack now how you attack it is less clear than in past years I think the The free agent class is extremely weak at most positions, but at receiver, we're talking about Jacoby Myers as the top option right now, coming out of the, uh, New England Patriots, Juju Smith, Schuster as the second receiver on our board here, Odell Beckham jr. Now, if he comes back and he's healthy, I could understand him, you know, maybe being Mm -hmm. the top receiver available, but there's a big question mark there with injury. So filling, um, one of my themes this off season is going to be, Team's getting creative, right? It's not as simple as go to the free agent market. I think the draft is kind of all over the place when it comes to um, receivers in particular. Is there some creativity that Dallas can tap into here to try to get that next player in here?
1: Yeah, it's one of the worst free agent groups I can remember for a long, long time. Um, And I don't know if that's just, you know, a trend of the NFL, that this is going to be weak free agent groups, teams are getting better with dealing with that, blah, blah, blah. Or if this is just a bad year. But... Maybe you're going to see, like last year, where all the movement was trading. We were trading for receivers rather than signing them in free agency. Um, maybe we see a repeat of that. Maybe that's the way the league is going to go, that teams are going to start um, focusing more on trades than they are in real letting free agents hit the open market.
0: Um, I think the offensive line came together all right for Dallas. We look at Dalton Schultz as a, as a free agent here. And, um, you know, so they have to figure something out. A tight end defensively, a few starters – are going to hit the market, Leighton Van Der Esch, Anthony Brown at corner. Van Der Esch, of course, is a linebacker. Uh, they could always use some depth along the defensive line, but I agree with what you're saying. The biggest need for the Dallas Cowboys being
1: the number two wide receiver spot opposite C.D. Lamb. Yeah, it's another situation, a lot like last year, where Dallas is running into free agency, and when you look at the list of guys they have from the, from their own team that are scheduled to leave, it's Quite extensive, and they're quite important players in various spots. So Tony Pollard,
0: one of them as well. I mean, they they have to. I mean, running backs going to be a need, right? We saw well, Zeke. certainly Zeke could barely average there. two yards per carry. <laughs> right.
1: It's it's a need. It's yeah. It's not a need as long as um, Pollard is there, and you're like, well, look, just stop giving Zeke Elliott the carries and give it to Tony Pollard instead. But if Pollard leaves, um, or again, you know, if he's not 100 percent coming off an injury, then it's back to just Zeke trudging along trying to get any kind of production. But my point being, for the second year in a row, it's like Dallas have been surprised by free agency, you know, by their own players' contracts coming due. Like last year, the Amari Cooper thing felt like a shock. It's like, oh, we're not prepared for Amari Cooper to be earning $20 million a year. We've got to get rid of him. Um, whereas now it's like we're not prepared for three or four key players to be hitting free agency. We actually need most of those guys. So they're going to have the work cut out again to try and bring them back.
0: All right. Let's go on to the New York Giants, staying in the NFC East here. The Giants, you put in the article interior offensive line as their biggest need. It's it's an interesting situation in New York, a team that made the playoffs. Uh, you know, win up they win a playoff game, but you they were still kind of rebuilding though, right? Like they were it was mm-hmm. year one of what was supposed to be a rebuild. So you went with uh, interior of the offensive line for the Giants.
1: Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of places you could add talent and be fine um but that offensive line was an absolute mess pretty much all season long uh, andrew thomas is great at left tackle evan Neal was their top was a, a top draft pick first round pick a year ago evan Neal really struggled last season but so did andrew thomas year one now that doesn't necessarily mean that that's how it works for every offensive tackle that year one they're terrible year two they're a bit better year three they're great um so you know there's a pathway for Evan Neal to get better we, we saw it on the other side of the line Andrew Thomas did it year after year or Evan Neal might just be bad um, but either way he's going to get another year to figure it out whereas the interior trio was just a weakness all the way through the season
0: it, it, it sometimes it, it there's there's a disconnect right because the on-field product for the Giants was solid offensively um, I think a big part of that was Daniel Jones as a runner you know it, you we talk about the the hidden yards and Various things like that that um, a running quarterback is able to essentially account for. Daniel Jones was one of those guys, like a top three or four impactful runner at the quarterback position. And I think it did mask you know, that stat, that we, the, the graphic that we had up with 114 pressures allowed along the, uh, the interior of, of the offensive line. And you have games where Saquon Barkley had some big runs at the end and all that stuff. So when you're watching the Giants, it doesn't feel like the offensive, offensive line is an issue all the time. But it kind of was, right? There was pressure, and they're not the best run-blocking unit. And even though I think Evan Neal's going to be fine, I, I, I like their tackles, uh, both with Nick Gates hitting for agency and you know just uncertainty elsewhere. It, it does
1: make a lot of sense here. And the line got worse when they had to go into the bench. Like, right. The, the starting trio wasn't good, but then the backups were terrible. So you could argue the line isn't as bad as it looked all the way through the year, but it's still pretty bad. Of
0: course, my answer would be, uh, would be receiver. And um, the Giants didn't make a ton of sense, right? Because every place where they had invested in receiver, they were getting nothing in return. First rounder for Kadarius Tony, they, they flipped him off to Kansas City. Flipped him off? <laughs> Sent him off to Kansas Look, sometimes you're rusty coming out of vacation.
1: Mm.
0: I'm exhausted coming back from Disney vacation, by the way. it was, Yeah, Disney's not a holiday. I'm not for, I mean, Disney's obviously a for the kids. And we were, like, the kids, too, we were like, sorry, kids, you're up till 1, we've got to get up at 6, we've got to get to the park, you don't get to sleep here. So cry it out. We're going to have some fun. <laughs> You're so have uh,
1: fun whether you like it or not.
0: So bear with me here. Um, can't wait for the Super Bowl week where I could, you know, sleep in. Right. And, uh, you know. Um, but I would have said receiver, right? Even though they invested in Kadarius Tony and invested in Kenny Galladay and still had a lot, a lot of success with guys like Isaiah Hodgins stepping up and uh, Richie James stepping up and Darius Slayton. Well, James and Slayton are both free agents. And, you know, I would have said receiver, mm. um, much like Dallas, just overall. Um, but I like interior offensive line receiver. I'm very fascinated to see what Brian Dayball does in year two. You could also say quarterback since they don't, you know,
1: have one under contract that's a right. starter. But I think you have to assume that they're bringing back Daniel Jones in some capacity. Um, I, I, they can definitely use receiver help, obviously, but I think they patched it up well enough last season that you can kind of say, all right, even if they don't do anything other than keep what they have, maybe draft a receiver, even not in the first round, eh, they're probably okay. Um, like Wondell Robinson, the draft pick from a year ago, and he played in like six games or whatever. So I, I can see a world where that receiver group is fine, even if they don't do anything crazy to address it, whereas the offensive line is a catastrophe if they don't. The PFF NFL
0: podcast is sponsored by Western and Southern Financial Group. While you focus on your roster moves, Western and Southern helps advance your money moves. Buying your first home, planning to start a family, wondering how to make your money grow? Well, Western Southern's playbook of life insurance, investment, and retirement solutions helps you rest assured on game day. Team up to understand needs and address goals with a game plan built just for you. Get started at westernsouthern.com/pff. All right, so you did one for the uh, the Philadelphia Eagles. They're playing in the Super Bowl, of course, mm-hmm. this week, but uh, they're next up here as far as off-season team needs, and you went with cornerback depth for the Eagles. And um, in the you know, since I do repeat myself over and over and over again. I love the fact that the Eagles, you know, their their biggest weakness or their biggest holes are some of the players that they got on the cheap. Guys like James Bradbury. Uh, can the Eagles get creative again, you know, at, at places like cornerback this offseason?
1: Yeah, it's really just reloading again. Like, they signed James Bradbury for pennies on the dollar. He's been one of the better corners in the league this year in a really good defense. Um, presumably, he's going to be wanting a big-time contract off the back of that. I would also imagine they're not too... in. To use with the idea of giving him one. So maybe they pay it and they say oh, he was worth it. It's a reward if they win the Super Bowl. You know, sometimes you're a little bit inclined to give out those kinds of contracts, but maybe they do that. But if they don't, there's just as good a chance that they'll pick up a James Bradbury again this year, like a, a cap casualty, a guy that ends up getting cut because the team doesn't want to pay him $9 million or whatever. And then the Eagles can get him again for pennies on the dollar. So really they just need to find a way of, kind of reloading at those positions that were short-term moves for them a year ago and you know the now are coming up are are expiring
0: yeah we see a a guy like James Bradbury and you know part of the, the what made that move so good was a guy like Bradbury was coming off of a down year after previous really good seasons right so you get him when the cost is low the Giants did have to make him a cap casualty they did all of this after the draft, so they didn't have to lose a comp pick, right? So they just get the year of service time pretty much on the cheap for Bradbury. And now he's probably going to walk in free agency and, and maybe bring, uh, bring that comp pick back to the Eagles. It is just a really good way of doing business, but it still leaves a hole on the depth chart going into next year, just like there was a hole in the, on the depth chart last year at this time for the Eagles. So um, I am fascinated to see if they keep that same patient approach. And it's not always gonna be, you know, the same thing every year. Like, let's find the next cornerback that's, you know, a buy low candidate and we'll sign him after he gets cut after the draft. That's, you can't always repeat the same strategy, but you know, the Eagles have some work to do with Bradbury. Um, You know, Chauncey Gardner-Johnson played, was more of a safety for them, but he's a guy that, you know, is flexible and can move around. He's gonna be hitting free agency again as well. Um, So when you do look at this Eagles team, there's a lot of, of free agents on the defensive side of the ball in general much of the offense is coming back but um it's gonna no matter what happens this Sunday in the Super Bowl with the Eagles fascinating offseason is they have to probably make their Jalen Hurts decision as far as you know when they want to pay him and how they want to distribute that money and then how do they reload on the defensive side of the ball we know that they always like to build in the trenches first they have a whole bunch of you know Javon Hargrave is one of our top Free agents as well at defensive tackle, so they've got several starters that they need to lock up. But we also know that the Eagles have been really good when their secondary is really good. So that depth at cornerback, I think, makes sense as their biggest need.
1: And they're in that great spot of having two first-round picks.
0: Yeah, right. I mean, a team that look—they've made all the right moves, man. And um, it felt like coming after they had their 2017 Super Bowl, and they tried to run it back a couple times. They had to move on from Carson Wentz it felt like they were supposed to be reloading and they just accelerated it in 2021 and accelerated it even further in 2022 so Darius Slay still locked in over 16 million he's got one more year in his contract heading into 23 that's the other thing to keep an eye on too right not just cornerback depth to replace James Bradbury but even beyond that if uh, Darius Slay has to walk at the end of 2023 as well so cornerback depth For the Eagles. Don't forget, by the way, this offseason, we're going to have Fixing Your Team in five minutes, right? Which is really 15 minutes. We'll get in depth Mm -hmm. on every single team this offseason. Let's go to the Washington Commanders to round out the NFC East. Their biggest need, Sam, QB.
1: Yeah. I'm not buying this idea that Sam Howell is the unquestioned starter after seven minutes of football at the end of last season. No matter what they're telling offensive coordinator candidates, I'm just not buying it. I refuse to believe that a team would still act that way in 2023. So they need a quarterback. I'm always the guy that's like, let's
0: let's look let's look deeper into the quote and stuff like that, and you know the Ron Rivera stuff that you know you were pushing back on all year. You know he's making his decisions off vibes, right, off of Mm -hmm. Taylor Honey, and I'm like, no, no, it can't just be that. You know, there's something to it, right? And I'm so I'm trying to look into this, right? Teams teams say this all the time, like Sam Howell is the only quarterback under contract. So they're like, of course he's our starter. Right? But I don't see that as them declaring their off-season strategy. I don't think. Am I looking too much into that? Their off-season strategy isn't like, we're good. Not even going to evaluate this quarterback class cuz we have Sam Howell as our starter. Of course, Carson Wentz is also still under contract after, you know, making 32 million a year with two more years left on his contract, but I think there's more to the commander's just saying yeah it's sam howell i think they're gonna also
1: explore other options yeah well they should but like the reports were that they were informing offensive coordinator candidates that sam howell is the starter next year as of now yeah but i mean as of now it would still need to put jump him over carson wentz and then you've still got the draft and free agency to come anyway my point being i don't think you can go into a season with sam howell as the unquestioned starter. And nobody else that could challenge that on the depth chart. Yeah, so we
0: know there's a couple names that are supposed free agents. I say supposed free agents at quarterback because Lamar Jackson technically, Geno Smith technically, and
1: or cut candidates, trade candidates, all kinds of quarterback. Yeah,
0: there are there are people out there, um, but the official free agents: Lamar Jackson, Geno Smith, Daniel Jones, Jimmy G, and uh, Jacoby Brissett. With Carson Wentz making all that money, you have to figure out a way to. Get Out know, from under that contract, if you're going to get one of the bigger names that hit free agency, and also Lamar and Geno Smith probably don't hit free agency if you know for long, if you know if there's franchise tags involved or whatever it might be. Do you get into the Derek Carr stuff? That deadline's in 10 days, man.
1: Like, we might have some Derek Carr news during Super Bowl week here. Lewis well, talked that they might cut him before the Pro Bowl <laughs> because if he injured himself at the Pro Bowl, they'd be on the hook for the money. Oh man, that's so much
0: to be, and there's a lot of heavy rumors with the Raiders and uh, Aaron Rodgers. So, I mean, that's the other thing with Washington. They have been the epitome of, of QB purgatory. You know, even the year that they drafted Dwayne Haskins, they still took a shot at a first-round quarterback, but it was at number 15, right? It was after, you know, a lot of teams didn't take
1: Dwayne, uh, Dwayne Haskins, right? He was a middle-of-the-first-round uh, type of player. I liked what they did right up until the Carson Wentz trade. Like, I actually thought they were doing a good job of, you took a swing in the, in, in the draft, it didn't work out, you do what you what you do when you have a decent team but not a quarterback you bring in Ryan Fitzpatrick he lasted like 40 snaps so that didn't happen Taylor Heineke had shown flashes you know he had that game against Tom Brady in the playoffs he just didn't pan out at all and then it felt like they panicked and went okay quick go get Carson Wentz and that was just a disaster so I I like generally quite a lot of what they've done but then this most recent move a quarterback felt completely panicked any predictions as to which way they go they're going to go with sam howell as the guy i don't see how you can do that i really don't i think they have to find some better viable option than that they'll cut carson wentz
0: anthony richardson or something in the draft maybe i think
1: they'll go veteran i don't know they'll draft one so i mean they make a lot of sense for the sort of Derek carr thing of at least you know he's okay you know yeah i mean let's shoot for okay you remember we're a a worse than that remember a couple
0: years ago we said like what if a team just goes you know veteran qb by yeah. veteran qb all the way through you get you know marcus mariota and philip rivers and the colts have kind of done that a colts little bit and washington all right. the wentz teams right yeah. the colts have done that <laughs> and the and washington's done that but because carson wentz was he wasn't even like a massive failure with the colts but because yeah. they didn't make the play because in week 18 he was a massive failure it felt like a big failure and this feels like a big failure by washington how, how burnt do these teams feel And feel like they need to draft I guess is the question
1: Yeah I don't know I feel like they I mean I think Washington again because of winning it a bit This year as well they feel like They just need something that's Half decent right Wentz wasn't Heineke wasn't Sam Howell sure but we've seen Like a ridiculously small sample size From him so just plug Somebody in here who will be fine That's it that's all I want And that you know that's Derek Carr
0: all right, let's go to the NFC North, starting with the Chicago Bears. You you said everything for the Chicago Bears. You don't give out everything to everybody.
1: No, and it, you know people because people get very upset about that. You know, because nobody wants to see that their team just stinks across the board. They're like, it's not everything. You're like, yeah, okay. We don't fine. need a left tackle. We had Braxton Jones. Right. Maybe maybe you round. don't. Maybe you've decided you don't need the quarterback, and maybe you don't need a tight end because Cole Komet's fine. But you do pretty much need everything, right? You need defensive line help. You need linebacker help. You need secondary help. You need offensive line help. You need receiver help. I I think, isn't Montgomery a free agent as well? You need running back help. You do need everything. Maybe you don't need every single player, but you do pretty much need every position. Cole Komet's also
0: heading into the last year of his contract. It's not (laughs) like, I mean, when we talk about this stuff, we try to think about it from a multi-year view as well, which is why we kept criticizing the Texans for just getting, you know, signing one and two-year contracts. Of course the Bears need everything. They need help across the board. I mean, if you want to get specific, yeah, they need to be better along the offensive line. Did they find a potential steal in Braxton Jones in the fifth round out of Southern Utah last year? Absolutely. That's awesome. Got to upgrade along the offensive line because you can't just, they they were pretty well protected in a run-first system. Um, Receiver, of course, if you're going to roll with Justin Fields, we want to We said before the season, are we gonna know what Justin Fields is? Here's what we learned, I think, you know, as he's a dynamic runner. We still don't know enough about him as a passer. Has he been held back as a passer because of his own passing skills? Or because he hasn't had the supporting cast to throw to? I'll say this, I mean, we might not see an off season quite like what the Bears have, as far as having the number one overall pick, having all of the money that they can spend in free agency the ability with that number one pick to flip it to for multiple picks or future picks or whatever they want to do. The Bears, I mean, when Ryan Poles came in, you, your phrase, like, strip it for parts, right? You you trade Khalil Mack, you trade Robert Quinn along the way. They traded down in the draft a ton. That's the That was the way to do it. They were left with no cap space and no draft capital, and they replenished both, yeah. and now the rebuild starts this offseason. Everything is on the table right. for the
1: Bears. And it's why, like, it's not a – that's not necessarily a negative. It's just the reality of the situation. Of course. Like, they did strip this roster down to nothing, which is why the whole narrative around Justin Fields was what it was. Like, does he have anything around him in order for him to even be evaluated this year? And then, okay, Justin Fields is showing some stuff, but he has no receivers to, sh- to throw to. The offensive line has been a little bit better, but it still needs work. Like, they did strip it down. There is nothing there. Now, you think you've seen enough of Justin Fields to be the guy. Fine, Go but now you need to then deploy all of that capital, whether it's getting the trade hall for trading out of number one, um, using that salary cap space, although you know, on what is debatable given the free agent market. But the point being, now you actually need to build the thing back up again because you did strip this entire roster down to bare bones, i.e. Justin Fields and a few randoms.
0: So the one move that on right now doesn't look great is the Chase Claypool trade. It seemed like everything that Ryan Poles had done since, right. since joining the Bears, was pretty much all right we're thinking of the future thinking of the future and the one move and it didn't seem ridiculous at the time because we didn't think that the bears were going to pick number one overall (laughs) but now chase claypool for a second rounder that's the 30 second overall pick yeah basically a first rounder and and even when when it happened we were like so that you can get a look at chase claypool right you get a look at him for a year but he's only under contract for a year and a half so now you've got one more year of chase claypool that doesn't look great But everything else as far as the ability to maneuver in the draft to add impact players and going back to last offseason when people and you may have been saying, hey, they're not doing enough for Justin Fields here because their first two picks were defensive players. The long game of bringing in Kyler Gordon, who was up and down as a rookie at corner, Jaquan Brisker at safety, who was their most valuable defensive player this year, by the way, as a rookie safety. Okay, that's the long term play. You added a couple pieces to the secondary. Now it is they need. Impact players everywhere. Defensive line, more players in the secondary. Clearly, they need receivers. Offensive line help. David Montgomery at running back is a free agent. They need help everywhere. And whether it's, whether it's with Justin Fields or without, right? If they are having that discussion about do we draft Bryce Young and trade Fields, whether or not they're having that, the rest of the roster does need to be attacked with uh, all of these resources.
1: Yeah. And I, I think, you know, to me, Justin Fields has done enough to – earn the shot to show what he has with something around him like it's very difficult to overstate how bad the situation around him was this year and he still showed quite a lot more as a runner obviously than a passer but still showed what a dynamic playmaker he could be now give him receivers now give him defense now give him an offensive line that can be good not just hold its head above water like give him the things that he should have to prove what he can be and then if he isn't capable of being more than this then fine okay you took a misstep but you I think you owe it to him at this point to show you what he can do with a real supporting cast around him when we get into some more of the
0: specifics of what the what the Bears could do with you know if they trade down pick up a bunch of draft picks we're going to talk a lot about this receiver class this offseason maybe it's not it doesn't have the Jamar chases of the world it doesn't have the Justin Jefferson's the elite players and the other thing we tend to say a lot is you know which flavor of receiver are you looking for do you want a big six four quinton johnson do you want a zay flowers who's fast and quick um, a jackson smith and jigba who might be more of a slot receiver but it's just such a good route runner there are all different styled receivers i do wonder with what we know about fields as a runner now much like the ravens kind of leaned into speed receivers thinking hey we're gonna run the ball a lot qb run game big plays off of that you have darnell mooney on one side are we looking for speed receivers? Are we looking for your big play threats? A guy like a Jordan Addison um, out of USC, formerly of Pittsburgh, that can stretch the field. Because again, we're not probably looking to free agency a ton for receiver for you know receiver needy teams this year. But drafting maybe one or two of those receivers, different styles, but at least somebody that can stretch the field, much like Mooney can, I think Cole Kamet, I think any tight end works well in this system because with all the misdirection and play action you're gonna have with fields. Those tight ends are gonna be open regardless. I want some big play receivers for the Bears.
1: Yeah, I mean I just want
0: anything added to that team. Well done. Great. So Bears need everything. I think you're I think you nailed it. Let's go Detroit Lions here. And um they they finished strong, nine and eight. You went with cornerback for their biggest need here.
1: Yep. I still think that's a problem area for them. Um Jeffrey Akuda was better this year, still wasn't great. Um None of the young guys, really, that they've added to that cornerback room recently have panned out. Um, The pass rush, I think, worked its way out. The defensive line generally, a McNeil, started to show promise. Uh, Aiden Hutchinson through the second half of the season was looking like a a fantastic player. Um, James Houston came out of nowhere, was getting some real joy on the other side. I think that defensive line is going to be in good shape next year. They hit on a linebacker in the draft as well. Cornerback, though, is still a big problem spot
0: yeah i'm with you there and when we talked about the lions and their their rebuild you know being so trench heavy and then it did seem like last year man they improved that receiving core right like last year was the year that they were going to start improving on the perimeter and they you know over the last two years with the Monroe saint brown drafting jameson williams last year they brought in dj chark for the one year he'll hit free agency but the one spot that's still lacking is definitely corner they have to make a fifth year option decision on Jeffrey Akuda, even with improvement last year, I don't know how you pick that up for a guy that was, uh, what was he uh, third overall, right? Mm-hmm. Huge money for Akuda if you pick that up. So, yeah, I mean, it's a year where they have to bring in probably two or three cornerbacks, I would say, in Detroit. And a lot of those other pieces that you had talked about, the investment in the, in the defensive line, um, some of the draft picks last year that they hit on and, um, you know, late – late wins at uh you know edge rusher with james houston the fourth and all that stuff i mean they've added a lot of good talent in detroit the next piece though definitely has to be secondary but in particular cornerback
1: yeah i mean i think they're they're another team that could use wide receivers as well but you have to assume that jameson williams will take some kind of step forward next year and I, I, he barely played this season it was like a red shirt year for him right but even when they got him on the field late and he was getting like 10 15 snaps a game he didn't get an awful lot of production but you could see just from watching him move around that he brings that just difference making kind of speed and all right they didn't turn that into much year one but I suspect they will year two yeah I don't think there
0: should be neglecting receiver I still think there's more work to do but I think we're in this the offensive line's pretty well locked up for a few years now like multi-year deals for everybody essentially the defensive lines had a lot of that draft investment it's another year on the perimeter it's another year of Playmakers at receiver, playmakers at corner, um, but corner in particular, I think makes um, does make the most sense for the Lions. Let's go to the Green Bay Packers, and you're going well. So, quarter, we'll, we'll see. We'll see if quarterback. Right by the time you listen to this,
1: I don't think Rodgers is getting traded. Is it getting traded this week? Well, even if they trade him away, it's because Jordan Love is there. Like so, quarterback. It's not going to be a need for them because they're going to be rolling with one of those two guys in the roster. you're going tight end here as the biggest need though for the for the Packers yeah um I think the receivers the young guys showed enough last season to at least be confident in going forward um maybe I mean obviously you can you can add a receiver to that never stop adding playmakers but I think tight end like needs an unquestioned legit starter they need a guy that can make an impact at that position so like Robert Tunyon saw 63 targets but averaged 1.3 yards per route run last season like he moved the chains 20 times in the entire year, that there's no reason they can't have an impact player at that position and take some of the pressure off, you know, that wide receiver group that may be young or maybe um, limited or, or only have sort of specific skill sets. Let's, you know, let's take this in a different direction. Like, we don't have to go first-round wide receiver. We could get first-round tight end. Ooh, Michael Mayer from Notre Dame, maybe. I mean, Tunyon
0: was a guy that was so productive just two years ago, um, 2020, I believe, when he was um, – before he had gotten hurt, but he, but he wasn't the catalyst, of course. It's like, who's, who's big Bob Tunyon? Well, he's the guy that's open because you got you to gotta focus on Devontae Adams and everything, right? And you didn't, have that, you didn't have those receivers for most of the season opening things up for the tight end. So you're looking at this more like, hey, bring the catalyst that is going to take pressure off the other way, off of Christian Watson and um, Romeo Dobbs and some of the younger guys. You have Alan Lazard, who's basically a glorified tight end as well. Big-bodied receiver. He's going to hit free agency. Um, but specifically at the tight end position, Mercedes Lewis as well. You're, what, 20 <laughs> for Mercedes? Now he's almost 17 or 18. Um, he's basically just a an offensive tackle at this point. You have Josiah DeGuaro heading into his last year with the Packers. So there's a, lot of, there's a big hole there at that position, whether it's Aaron Rodgers or Jordan Love at quarterback. I mean, just pass catchers in general that yeah. are going to take some pressure off the QB, makes sense here in Green Bay. Mm-hmm.
1: All right, I lost my place. Who's next? <laughs> Minnesota.
0: <laughs> Minnesota Vikings, of course. Where'd you go with the Vikings here?
1: Defensive tackle, interior defensive line. Um, now, they might need an edge rusher as well, depending on what happens with the two that they have because the Vikings are one of those teams that plays the salary cap a little bit like the Saints. You know, the credit card comes due at some point. You got to make some sacrifices to pay it off. Uh, both Zadarius Smith and Denial Hunter are on some pretty big money you know those two combined for 150 plus pressures last season I don't know if either or both of them will be on the roster once we get around to the sharp edge of it but whatever happens like they need an interior presence which wasn't really there this year despite having those two guys they, they didn't have this sort of interior wrecking machine even though Dalvin Tomlinson had a pretty good year
0: yeah I remember a couple of years ago they brought in Tomlinson they yeah you know, they, they kind of bulked up on the defensive interior, but this year, different system. And you're just not getting, they just haven't really gotten pressure from that position a ton. Um, and that, you know, it seemed like the secondary had their issues and they certainly did. They're just, it just wasn't a good overall team defense no. for the Vikings. It was a whole bunch of individuals who performed okay in isolation, like Hunter and Darius Smith. But even when pressure was getting home, the coverage wasn't, it was one of those where just not all working in sync here. Um, and when you look at the offense, a lot of that group is coming back right now, right? So you're talking about the defensive side is where most of the attention is going to go in Minnesota as it is. Um, you mentioned the edge rushes. We'll see what happens there financially. Both guys on contracts making over $14 million a year. And, but a penetrating interior defensive lineman they're not the only team that's looking for those types of players right those those are the types of players that are available this offseason for the first time in a while around the nfl
1: and nobody knows by the way what defense they are going to be running next year because they don't have a defense coordinator yet yeah that's true too
0: i mean are they just three four and four-three is outdated but they were running three four type of principles this year right how much of that is like, all right, let's go back to what we were. Mike Zimmer was as four, three as it gets, right? Like the way, the types of players he was, he was getting your classic two hand, um, hand in the dirt defensive ends, classic nose, your classic three technique, three, four defense kinda like blends those a little bit more. Are you gonna go back to what, you know, Zimmer was doing or does it
1: just depend on whether the defensive coordinator search takes him? Yeah, I mean, I I think the defense top to bottom needs a lot of help. the defensive line I think probably needs the most, but the secondary needs a lot of help, but you assume that some of that is already there in young players that they drafted a year ago that didn't play for different reasons. Lewis Seen obviously uh, broke his leg in that London horrific special teams play. Um, Andrew Booth Jr. barely played either. So two guys that were supposed to sort of be the foundation uh, of that secondary going forward, or at least the, the heirs apparent to the guys that have been there for a long time, really didn't feature at all now does that mean they're they're not going to be factors going forward or do we just have to wait a while before they make an impact but like they could provide reinforcements of the secondary Eric Hendricks really didn't have a good year this year but has been a good player in the past Brian Asamoa the linebacker looked really good in limited snaps maybe he can come in but either those young guys need to step up or they need impact uh, additions at those positions
0: we have four uh four players in the top 40 who are interior defensive linemen in our on our draft board currently and uh, so those posi- you know, so it's an interesting position this year in the draft you don't really have we haven't really had that group in a while um you mentioned Dalvin Tomlinson he's actually he's a free agent this year number 16 on our list overall for free agents but two guys ahead of him Deron Payne, Javon Hargrave uh you have guys like Draymond Jones, Zach Allen, uh, it's, a, it's a solid group as far as, like, what availability and the market for that type of position around the NFL. It's uh, better than it's been, I think, in a few years. We'll get to the NFC South in a minute here. But first, are you ready for the biggest Sunday in sports? DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of Super Bowl 57. They have all the Super Bowl action you need. New customers can bet just $5 and get $200 in bonus bets instantly. Plus, all customers can get in on the Super Bowl 57 excitement with DraftKings Happy Hour Super Boost. Check the DraftKings Sportsbook app every day, 6 p.m. to 9 p.m. Eastern, to see what prop bet will be boosted. That's 6 to 9 Eastern every single day. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code PFF. New customers can bet $5 on Super Bowl 57 and get 200 in bonus bets instantly. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook with the code PFF. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. Void in Ohio. See show notes for details. It will not be void once we get to Arizona. Are we good in Arizona once we get there? Are we no longer voided Sam. I don't know. We'll find out. All right, let's go to the NFC South. The Atlanta Falcons. Mm-hmm. Where I think you also went the uh, the Bears route here. Everything yeah. for the Atlanta Falcons.
1: Yeah, I felt like I I haven't checked the uh, the copy, but I felt like I said everything on defense for the Falcons, and that's become everything. Period in the article. Oh, oh, the old editor blame. Yeah, I, as I said, I haven't checked the original. It might be that's my a mistake.
0: That's a good. That's a. You've been, you've been writing for over 10 years here. But PO. I certainly feel it's like a veteran move.
1: everything on defense. Don't blame me, blame my editor. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So let's say everything on defense here. For mm-hmm. the Atlanta I'm just reading what's in the article that has think, your name to it.
1: I think the offense is, uh, is actually in reasonable shape other than quarterback, um, which, okay, that's quite a large caveat, but the offensive line was in good shape. They're, they're losing Caleb McGarry, presumably in free agency. Um, the running backs did really well. Receivers were limited. But so is the offense. You know, it's, uh, they were the only team in the NFL to run more than they passed. They lost Kyle Pitts for a large part of the year. But I think generally the offense is okay. The defense, though, needs help everywhere.
0: The, the situation looks a lot like the Bears, right? As far as the, the non quarterback roster for the Falcons, right? I mean, for, for multiple years, we see the EPA number there. For multiple years, the defense has lacked a pass rush mm-hmm. and they've struggled on the back end coverage wise. Yeah. I mean, just, it hasn't been good, much like the Bears' defense. So um, I agree with you there. I thought last year they made little one-off moves like bringing in Casey Hayward Jr. It's the tail end of his career. He's still a solid corner. Um, AJ Terrell took a little bit of a step back this year, but those that was like the only position coming in. You're like, all right, they could be okay at corner. We know Grady Jarrett is a you know game wrecking type up front, but he, you can't do it by yourself. You know, edge rusher has been a multi-year issue for atlanta they've invested a ton in the draft through the years i thought arnold epicati did a did a nice job as a rookie and there's you know maybe more there but that's it man they're in the middle of this rebuild they're losing all the dead money uh, from matt ryan's contract so attack a whole bunch of resources on that side of the ball the
1: defense everywhere yeah um that's really where they need the help like aj terrell didn't back up year one with a good year two I think there's a few players there that could perform well if they had a lot more talent around them, but they just need to start adding players on defense that can actually make a difference.
0: Yeah, so I think that's pretty clear whether, you know, they could use offensive help too, but I like what you're saying, you know, the line that they went with Drake London at receiver, you still have Kyle Pitts. I mean, I'd like to see them use him a little bit more. And then I don't know what they're gonna do a quarterback. I, are they gonna draft somebody? Are they gonna go with Desmond Ritter? You know, we're, how much are teams going to learn from the Eagles or think that they can learn from the Eagles? Who drafted Jalen Hurts when Carson Wentz was their guy? I mean, to a point, right? He had coming off, he'd been coming off a bad year or a lesser season and then it got worse after they drafted Jalen Hurts. But are teams going to say, hey, we got to keep drafting and finding guys? Or are they just going to say, hey, Desmond Ritter showed some good stuff. We're going to roll with him. Either way, I think the Falcons you know, should be investing a in quarterback somewhere.
1: Yeah, I mean, to me, the learning for that would be, like, if they could they pick number eight, instead of drafting a quarterback at number eight, if they were able to do what the Eagles did and flip for, you know, two first-round picks next year, you know, move down a little bit, pick up in the first-round pick next year as well, and have two next year so that if the Desmond Ritter thing goes bad, now you can go after one of the top quarterbacks in the draft with your two first-round picks and all the ammo. That makes sense. Maybe they also you know, maybe they're a destination for a team or for a quarterback that's just going to be average, you know, a Derek Carr. Like, they're in a weird world. Average plus. Yeah, but average to better than average. Um, Most of the league is kind of going away from those guys, like the Raiders. But I think there are a couple of teams that really are, are desperate enough just for that baseline that, He could have a market like that.
0: Well, that was the Falcons last year, right? They went with Marcus Mariota and then, you know, Carson upgrade from that. And then, you know, you, I don't know where you go from there, but speaking of quarterback help, Carolina Panthers, also in the NFC South, their biggest need still quarterback. Yeah. So yeah, discuss. I mean, it is. (laughs) This season, they, I mean, you, you kind of liked their process for this season. Yeah. You draft Matt Corral. Bring in Baker Mayfield, see what he's got. Uh, Sam Darnold's already there. P.J. Walker's already there. Bunch of the season didn't make sense. Baker Mayfield was pretty bad. P.J. Walker was terrible. Then he was good. Then he was bad again. Sam Darnold came in. He was good. Then he was bad. Back to what he was. Panthers got to make some sort of impact here at quarterback.
1: Yeah, I mean, I really, the Baker Mayfield thing going as badly as it did is kind of amazing um when you consider sort of where his baseline was, albeit in better circumstances in Cleveland most of the time, it's I mean, he was significantly worse this year than he was last year when he had a torn shoulder. Like that doesn't make any sense. Um so for them to sort of roll that dice and for it to backfire as badly as it did is pretty unlucky. To have Matt Corral also miss the entire year with a busted foot, also pretty unlucky. Um and then, obviously, Sam Darnold was the sort of what you were left with, along with P.J. Walker. It feels like they're going to go for a quarterback in the draft. Like, Frank Reich is your guy. Here's the chance for the hard reset. And we're positioned, what, number nine in the draft? That is, uh, it might get you one of the top four guys, or you're in position to sort of jump up for one of the ones that you like better than that.
0: Do you think nine is just in that spot? Do you think the NFC South teams, now that Tom Brady's retired, you know, the Panthers become, you know, Aaron Rodgers' potential here. Yeah. They might go that route.
1: I mean, any of those every teams. every team,
0: like, no team is, like, set, but, like, Aaron Rodgers changed things, right?
1: Yeah, I mean, all four of those teams were within sight of the division up until the final week of the season, right? right. Like, those three that didn't win it all finished 7-10. and 10. So, like, all three of those teams will be looking at this landscape in a post-Brady world and going, well, we can win this division right now. All we need is, like, anything, a quarterback.
0: Every team that needs a quarterback, we're just going to ask, is Aaron Rodgers a good fit? Carolina, North. the next three, New Orleans, Tampa Bay, we're going to ask all the same question. Because uh, this division, it was wide open with Brady in the division. You know, because, yeah. you know, because he was 45 and everything was getting worse there in Tampa Bay. So, yeah, that could be – I'm just always curious how much you just kind of get sick of the purgatory, right? You get sick of it. Because that was what the Broncos did. Last offseason, right? The Broncos were the team. We're going we're to sit here this whole offseason, Sam, and say, do you go QB to QB? Do you go veteran to veteran and all that stuff? And then the Broncos got sick of it. They were like, we're done with Case Keenum for a year and Joe Flacco for a year and Teddy Bridgewater for a year. We're going to get Russell Wilson. And it didn't work in year one. But that was the move that they made. Even the Browns going to get Deshaun Watson. It's like we're sick of the question mark. We think we're going to solve it with Deshaun Watson. Maybe they haven't. But at some point, teams get sick of it. Like, they're sick of it in Indianapolis. They're sick of it. They're sick of the veterans. Mm -hmm. They're they're, going to get the next guy. But I wonder if the Panthers are, after they did the Teddy thing, they did the Darnold thing and Baker Mayfield thing, are
1: are they at their tipping point where it's like, just
0: trade it all for Aaron Rodgers. Let's go.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think you're always sick of it when it really doesn't work. Um, But certainly, I mean, Carolina's thing, they've had a disaster for a few different spots at that quarterback position. They haven't really had a shot. Uh, like Atlanta's, I mean, it, it kind of worked. You know, Mariota was terrible and they were still winning games um, and then turned over to Ritter, who was, you know, at least flashed the ability going forward. So I don't know that they would feel the need to do anything drastic to try and get themselves back on track. Like the Saints actually had Andy Dalton playing quite well and everything else kind of didn't work as well. Um, So maybe one of the two of those teams feels desperate, but I actually think at least Carolina will probably see this as being a good enough spot to take a quarterback in the draft. Atlanta, I think, might feel that they can tread water with Desmond Ritter or or give him a shot, see what he has. The Saints, who knows what they'll do given their uh, situation now with the the first-round pick from Denver coming back.
0: The, uh, the draft positioning of the Panthers in Falcons is definitely interesting because we're talking about a top four or so quarterbacks and are they are the Falcons at eight or the Panthers at nine teams that are going to be calling the Bears at number one so they can get their you know what, what's the power move that a Falcons or Panthers team might make? Is it to go get number one and get your choice? Is it to you know go the Aaron Rodgers or Derek Carr route? Um, both potential interesting spots just because they're at eight and nine right they're not in that top three or four where they've got more of a a choice right for their quarterback let's go to the new orleans saints even though we could talk quarterback for them as well you're going defensive line for their biggest need with marcus davenport hitting free agency and cameron jordan 34 years old now
1: yeah and not coming off a particularly good year in fact generally the entire defensive line for the new orleans saints i think dramatically underachieved this year it it's, it was a good unit for a while um, and felt like it should have been a real sort of strength of this team this season, and it really just wasn't. Like, we were kind of waiting all year for this group to show up and play better, and it never really did. Um, Davenport, when you consider that they traded two first-round picks to go up and get him in that classic Saints move, really hasn't worked out. Now, okay, it's not like he's been bad, and he's still only 26 years old, but he's played, he's got one year out of five where he's played over 500 snaps. That's also the only year of his career where he's added more than 50 pressures in a season. Like He's always been productive, but he's never been dominant. And given the kind of the situation now, i.e. 26-year-old contract year, I, I don't know if you want to make that kind of monster payment to the guy. Cameron Jordan has been the guy for years, but isn't coming off a particularly good year. Peyton Turner, another high first—or high—he uh, was first round, right? High yes. draft pick, hasn't shown much yet. Uh, David Anyamada, the interior guy, didn't have a good year relative to what he's done in the past. Like, the entire unit basically just underachieved. And I think they definitely need a kind of an injection of youth. Saints fans are going to hear
0: that you think Marcus Davenport failed or didn't work out or whatever and be like, what are you talking about? He's been really good. I mean, we've Saints fans have defended Marcus Davenport in that move for a while. I think the point there is if Marcus Davenport became Miles Garrett, which he has not become, or TJ Watt, if he's become TJ Watt, maybe you could justify that, right? Moving from the back end of the first up to number 14 and giving up multiple players. But we're talking about a guy who's, you know, just from a PFF war standpoint, never ranked above 16th. That was his peak year in 2021. A couple of years ranking 26th. He's a, he's a top 32 type of, edge. he's a top 25 type of edge defender. Uh, that's what he's been over the course of his career. Is that, is that worth, multiple players um and it's just it's such a fascinating study in the whole potential aspect right because he's 6'6 260 incredible potential coming out of UTSA and he did get better after year one but he kind of leveled off as a very good player um but now as a free agent he's one of the best free agents available is there something else to Marcus Davenport's game here as well just I love the whole Davenport potential discussion and evaluation here yeah
1: I mean he's a good player but they they traded two first round picks to get him and he doesn't play as much as a good player needs to play like his his career year for the Saints is basically the same as Von Miller's season this year for the Bills except Von Miller didn't at 11 games you know so his career high in snaps is 622 that was 2019 this past he's only
0: broken 600 snaps one time in five years yeah because of you know the rotation injuries whatever it might be but, yeah, he's, you're talking about an edge defender usually is up 800 to 1,000 snaps plus as a starter. That's the other fact when it, uh, factor when it comes to Davenport and his value. Where
1: are you getting 600 from? I only see him breaking 500 once.
0: Uh, PFF IQ. Huh.
1: I mean, it could be. Pro- oh, that's including <laughs> uh,
0: special teams. That's ah, why. There you go. Oh, that's, that's in the works. That's in Man. the works. As the product manager here, I've got the special team snaps being extracted soon because uh-huh. it's screwing me up because uh-huh. that was the page I was on.
1: Yeah. You're right. Give me a better number here. 533 is his career high. Well, there you go. And he's only broken 500 once. Um, You've but got the point better numbers than me. This year, this most recent season, Von Miller had 480-something snaps, I think, and had like 45 pressures. Like, he's had the kind of season that uh, Davenport has at his best. Only he, It took him 11 games to do that, whereas Davenport does that over the course of a 17-game now schedule. And it's like, I need, if I'm going to, whether it's two first-round picks or whether it's the contract he's going to have to get now to keep him around or to move somewhere else, you need more than that from it. So regardless of what happens here, we're talking
0: about the Saints needing help on the defensive line. They've always had these big, long, strong guys like, uh, like Davenport, Jordan, Carl Granderson, Peyton Turner. Uh, Peyton Turner merely showed flashes as a first-rounder heading into year three now. So they need help on the defensive line, which is why – That was their biggest need for you in your article over at PFF.com. Let's round it out with the Tampa Bay Bucks here in the NFC South, which of course with Tom Brady now retiring, it is quarterback.
1: Yeah, easy one. Um, I mean, Kyle Trask, I guess from a process standpoint, was drafted to be the heir apparent to Tom Brady and sit behind him, learn for a couple of years, only there's been almost no evidence whatsoever that Kyle Trask has learned anything from that or is ready to take a step up and be the, the heir apparent. Like anytime they've been in a position where somebody has got to come off the bench for Tom Brady, it's not been Trask. So I don't think that he's in their sort of future plans from that standpoint. Blaine Gabbard sure as hell isn't so the Bucks need a quarterback.
0: Yeah, they've been linked to Derek Carr a bunch. I mean we're gonna say the same stuff. It just sounded like they were going to get into the Aaron Rodgers sweepstakes. That's been the game that the Bucks have played, right? We've got a good roster you add tom brady all of a sudden you're a super bowl contender you're a super bowl champion so can they do it with rogers talk for one second while i before i choke on these well
1: I'll give you it not even while i talk i will give you an interesting uh tidbit statistical freak thing from uh rob ah, i should really learn that guy's name may maddie whatever m double a double d i which is a confusing string yeah. of letters uh the last nine just saw this, yeah. Associated Press and NFL MVPs to play in the Super Bowl that season are 0-9. Yep. 2001, Kurt Warner. 02, Rich Gannon. 05, Sean Alexander. Tom Brady in oh seven, Manning twice in 09 and 13. Peyton, not Eli. Yes. Uh, Cam Newton in 2015. Matt Ryan 2016. And Tom Brady again in 2017. And, of course, the presumptive, uh, almost certain MVP is about to be Patrick Mahomes.
0: Yes, this is uh, the now infamous uh, MVP curse, right? You can't you can't win both in the same year, can uh, Patrick Mahomes? Likely Patrick Mahomes will have the opportunity.
1: Yeah, he had forty nine. I think All Pro first. Team I don't think Jalen
0: Hurts is going to be the MVP. No, he'll have some votes in there. So yeah, an interesting number there. Yeah, the Bucks. Um, <clears throat> how do the Bucks play this? I, I like what you said from like a process standpoint. Bringing in Kyle Trask at the back end of the second round made sense, right? Just yeah, developmental quarterback. Tom Brady, we don't know when he's going to be done. Let's let's see what happens here. Trask not only could Trask not leapfrog Blaine Gabbert on the depth chart, but even in the in the preseason and his limited regular season time in the last week of the season this year, just doesn't look like he's ready. Right at all. Um, so, do the Bucs look at this the same way the Panthers or the Falcons? Division's wide open, right? Like they could win the division with Derek Carr as sure. quarterback, and they could certainly be a Super Bowl contender with Aaron Rodgers as quarterback, even though they've got more holes now maybe than they did in recent years in Tampa Bay.
1: Yeah, um, unlike all of the other teams, because they won that, <laughs> that extra game and <laughs> got themselves into the playoffs, they're picking like 10 spots lower down in the draft, which doesn't help them in their pursuit for a quarterback. So in a division where the entire division needs a quarterback, three of those teams are picking uh, – well, no, sorry, two of them are picking eight and nine – the saints are picking way lower because they their first round trading um and then tampa bay is picking 19. so two half the division essentially is picking 10 spots higher and also needs a quarterback
0: yeah it's it's really going to be fascinating to see what the bucks like where they land here right because they're on the lower end of effective cap space like what much like the saints what do you look at here do you look at the avail like the opportunity in the division or your chance to reset. Just say, look, we did we, we pushed things down the road for Brady. We made our run. We had two great years. We had still wanted to do whatever. But you had two great years, a Super Bowl. That's what you got out of it. Now you pay your credit card, right? Is that what the Bucks do? Go the draft route instead of? I mean, Derek Carr makes them worse than they were last year, and they still were an eight and nine team, right? That's. But at the same time, you can say, hey, we got Mike Evans and we got Godwin and. You got enough pieces back to, to make a move here. That's going to be interesting how the Bucks evaluate themselves. Um, and if they say, hey, we're going to, you know, go the, the Rogers car route or try to reset the whole thing.
1: Yeah, I also wonder, um, you know, how much time everybody in that organization thinks they have for like a, for a sort of a lean year, you know? Like, hey, things were great when we won the Super Bowl with Tom Brady, but now, now we're going to have to go through some austerity here, you know? It's going to but, be a bad season, right? There's no way around that. You're going to have to deal with it. Like, does does everybody there think that they have that kind of credit in the bank after what they've done? Well,
0: as I'm looking around the league, right, and, and we're like, all right, how do the teams that really need receivers, you know, how do the, how do the Cowboys make a splash move or whatever it is? And you say, oh, you got to trade, right? And Tyree Kill and A.J. Brown and Devontae Adams were all traded last year. Do the Bucks become sellers of of Mike Evans and Chris Godwin and... Um, some of their big-name players, it might be a golden opportunity for them to take... I mean, Evans is you know on the wrong side of 30 and all that stuff, still a good player. You you have some attractive pieces if you do want to completely reset it. The, again, but the thing that holds you back is like, man, we could sign Derek Carr tomorrow and still win the NFC South because I don't know if the Falcons, Panthers, or Saints are there yet. So, yeah, it's going to be an interesting spot for the Bucs, but I think the the fire sale idea a complete reset build into the future i think they've bought him i think you know has jason light built bought himself enough time for that i think so they won a super bowl in tampa bay it's like ah, tom brady retired we gotta move on of course you can you can do that so um last year at this time we were talking about that with the bucks for,
1: you're right because he, he was retired again yeah. yeah yeah you think he's done this time for good yeah i think when he's he come done. back yeah march march the 12th 13th whenever it was 40 days you can't spend another 40 days in the wilderness no that's it who's got nothing to do now you know, it's, it's family somewhere else he's like getting ready for his first fox broadcast oh i can't do that he can't really do the
0: fox broadcast
1: are they gonna throw him right in the super bowl yeah sideline guy that's what i was yeah he maybe, should maybe maybe they can have like a special role hi
0: guys tom brady here on the sideline <laughs> reporting on the uh philadelphia eagles This Jalen Hurts is really good at QB sneaks. I I know a thing or two about QB sneaks.
1: I just saw somebody throw an iPad. I wouldn't do that. No.
0: Guys, I used to play. I don't know if you heard. He'll be the guy that just relates to his career all the time.
1: Because he's done everything. Except for scrambles. I mean, if they're going to use him, they have to have some sort of creative role. They're not using him him in the Super Bowl. Why not? He's not not working.
0: They're not. He's not busy. Oh, dude. He's like – By the way – also, He'd be like Kyle Trask taking over for, for Tom Brady, a quarterback.
1: The funny thing about that is everyone was sort of like, um, oh, now he's retired. Maybe he can show up at the Super Bowl for Fox. It's like, well, okay, but he wasn't busy anyway. Like, <laughs> like he was, it's not like he was working during the Super Bowl, you know, before he retired. True. You know, but maybe you could have found a way to get him on the broadcast anyway. I don't, I don't really see how it changes anything. Like either way, his ass is sitting on a beach.
0: It's like no way he'll be better than Greg Olsen. That just oh, doesn't no. need to.
1: Like Greg Olson's legit. All
0: right, we'll get into the NFC West in a second here, but first the easiest way to get in on the action for the big game is Underdog Fantasy and their pick'em game. Just pick higher or lower on your favorite Chiefs or Eagles stats for the big game. And if you get all your picks right, you can win up to twenty times your money in a single night. Underdog keeps it super simple with their easy-to-use website and app. And they're making it easier with a special pick for the big game. Here we go. Starting on Thursday, February 9th at 10 a.m. Eastern, you'll be able to make a special pick on Jalen Hurts, higher or lower than 0.5 total yards. What? Point, point 0.5 total yards. That's right. That's 0.5 yards. He literally needs one yard in the game in order to go higher. So pair this with at least one other correct pick. Uh, that's a max $20 entry. And you could be taking home some cold, hard cash. So that's this Thursday, February 9th, 10 a.m. Eastern. Again, visit underdogfantasy.com or find them in the App Store and don't forget to register with promo code PFF. You get your first deposit doubled up to $100. You must be 18 plus and present in a state where Underdog Fantasy operates. Terms apply. Concerned with your play? Call 1-800-522-4700 or visit www.ncpgambling.org
1: Are you conceptually a fan or otherwise of the constant run of just rebooted movies and franchises and tv shows that the world is experiencing right now i I, because i'm old with children and don't have the time Mm -hmm. for the reboots i don't really care because i believe i may have found a line that we should not be crossing what's that white men can't jump is about to be rebooted (laughs) oh they're rebooting they really are rebooting everything huh that's that's one no don't do that don't didn't
0: like happy days you know happy days yeah didn't like I don't know. I don't know what makes it across the pond with you guys. Like Happy Days did a reboot or something like that, and that was like our parents were were like, "Oh, this is great." You know, like we're in that world right now where people are trying to appeal to our childhood.
1: You just can't. You can't screw with the perfection that was Woody Harrelson and Wesley Snipes. You can't do that. No. Is
0: it both of them again?
1: What are the reboots? Is it all the same people? I'm looking at the the trailer, and like their kids, they don't feature in it. So I don't know what it is. It's like like are two basketball players one's white one's black that's as far as this reboot shows me well that's a good starting point at least i mean it, you know it's it certainly tallies with the previous one but i think that's i mean, I, th- I thought
0: like dumb and dumber was
1: like the i mean just the best comedy of all
0: time but every other iteration where well, they did the uh, 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 and the the prequel one and
1: all you just no you can't do it no this should not we shouldn't be messing with white men can't you? We no. shouldn't be doing it i'm with you good we can mess with is the nfc west okay
0: arizona cardinals and um we're going with pass rush here as their biggest need
1: yeah another team that needs quite a lot um and they're in a tough situation because of the uh well they don't have a coach and also because um kyla murray got hurt so late in the year so who knows how long they're without a viable quarterback for uh but but you know you still have Kyler, right murray. yeah and and whatever about how long that's going to take to work out. Like you don't have any pass rush right now. Pretty much. Marcus Golden is fine. Um, but J.J. J. Watt was their best pass rusher. Even he was an interior guy. They need somebody on the edge. They need like a legit edge rusher.
0: Yeah, that makes sense. Zach Allen did have a nice breakout season as he hits free agency. Uh, like, yeah, the Barbarian's the back. The Barbarian. Right? <laughs> they still have the Barbarian, Dennis Gardek. Uh They made the – um was second and third uh, two third round draft picks last year Cameron Thomas and um, Majai Sanders Mm -hmm. didn't see a ton from either guy though but you know Arizona's defense was similar they were similar to the Bears and the Fed they were just a bad defense last year that did get some they did create some big plays right they had some turnovers they had some uh, defensive touchdowns but yeah they definitely lacked as far as uh, impact players go on that side of the ball particularly uh, a pass rush and you're talking about a team that's invested a ton in Linebackers the last couple years, right? Right. A lot of teams do usually spend their first round picks on defensive line if they're going to go to the defensive side of the ball, or maybe corner. We have Zaven Collins. Um, You know, we've we have the linebacker Isaiah Isaiah Simmons, Simmons who's playing slot corner, kind of slot corner, whatever.
1: But they've invested in linebackers in recent years, so yeah, pass rush makes a lot of sense. I think for yeah, a a lot like the Vikings, like I think they could use like they could use players throughout that defense. Um, You assume that they're not going to go and. Completely bump Zavin Collins or Isaiah Simmons out of the lineup, even though they've changed sort of power structures within that organization and they're not necessarily as wedded to those guys as they were when they drafted them. Still, I think Isaiah Simmons in particular actually looks way better in this sort of slot hybrid role DB thing than he did as a linebacker. Like that's what he was doing in college. And again, I think generally there's a much stronger connection when you take these guys that are doing a certain thing in college and kind of ask them to do the same thing in the NFL. Like it stands to reason they would be better at doing that than they are doing something completely different. So Simmons might actually be on his way to a sort of career resurgence in this new role. If that continues, Um, Zayvon Collins, I still think flashes the ability to be an impact linebacker, but he probably needs the front line in front of him to be better and, maybe the back end to be better as well. So you went with pass rush for the
0: Cardinals. We have to give an honorable mention to the offensive line, though. As, as far as returning starters, you have DJ Humphreys at left tackle uh, coming off of injury, Rodney Hudson at center. You know He's coming off of a – he just hasn't been as good in recent years after being one of the elite centers in the NFL. Very old at this point. Yes, very old at this point. Uh, Justin Pugh, Will Hernandez was was on a one-year deal there. Kelvin Beachum, all, those guys are all hitting free agency. Uh, Max Garcia, all of their depth pieces, hitting free agency. The one interesting guy, as you, you kept mentioning, was Josh Jones, who finally got to play tackle, where he played tackle in, in Houston in college and was was pretty good there. Has not been good at guard. So you've got basically two left ta- – this is what you have, two left tackles and a center who's almost 40. I mean, what is Hudson really? He's not How old that old. old. I'm, not, I'm just kidding. You know. He's, I mean,
1: guess 35. He's
0: 33. It's old for a center. He'll be 30. He'll be uh, 34 by the time the season rolls around, their problem, which is basically 40 in center years.
1: Yeah, I mean, the problem with the left tackle thing is that Humphreys, is he signed his deal, like, relatively, like, last year. Um, so I think, I mean, they're not going to cut him because it costs too much money. Maybe they can trade him away, and it's a bargaining chip. Um, but Josh Jones, I think, showed that he could be their starting left tackle last year. Uh, Jones could be actually a good, you know, trading piece. But I don't them. think you're getting it as much because... Sure. Like, he's young and cheap, and he's going to be due a contract soon. He is. Whereas I mean, I, if Humphrey's, I was a team
0: that needed a, a left tackle, I might call about Josh Jones just to try to steal. I, you right, get him but, for a year. You might have to
1: resign him and the whole thing. I might want to steal Josh Jones, though. But if I'm Arizona, I'd be trying to move Humphreys because he's on the big contract. It's harder to move, though. That yeah, is. but consequently, you get cheaper if you get rid of him. I'll tell you a team that
0: could use any offensive line help. That's the Los Angeles Rams. Mm-hmm. One of these segues here, Sam. The Rams' offensive line is their biggest need, per Sam Monson over at PFF.com. Per Sam Monson.
1: Yeah, yeah. Explain. I mean, Pretty self-explanatory. Yeah, <laughs> they were well, bad. I, their season went so bad that it's it's kind of difficult to sort of turn back the clock and remember when things were just starting to go bad, right? But right at the start, remember week one, opening weekend, right? Buffalo against Los Angeles, the defending Super Bowl champions against the team that everybody thought was the favorites for the Super Bowl. It was like as good as an opening as you could get. And the Los Angeles offensive line got its shit wrecked by Buffalo's pass rush. And you're like, oh, that's going to be a problem. Then Buffalo's pass rush sort of faded as the year wore on, and particularly when Von Miller went down. But the Rams' offensive line didn't get much better. It bounced back a little bit for the, la- the next couple of weeks, and then it just sort of fell to rack and ruin as the season went on. It was four bad players and Rob Havenstein. Like, that that can't fly the next season.
0: It is amazing that there's just been those couple years. I know the Rams had way, way more issues than just the offensive line this year because everyone else got hurt as well. But 2019, the line fell apart, including Havenstein, who's been – just incredibly consistent outside of one season. Um, and then this year, the line just completely fell apart. I mean, so Joseph Noboom got hurt. Joe's coming back, trying to replace Andrew Whitworth. We still don't really know if he's if right. he's good enough. He got wrecked against, um, against good competition, against lesser competition, he was okay. Uh, David Edwards yeah, will hit free agency. A couple other backups will hit free agency. So you have players who weren't great and players that are leaving and they just need to invest in the line so it feels like one of those years where maybe they dabble in free agency a little bit draft some players but I think they know I mean look if if they stay healthy offensively they can figure it out with Cooper Cup obviously as the the lead guy but Allen Robinson you you know maybe get him in the mix a little bit better in year two here but boy if they go into the season with you know offensive line issues again the whole season can get derailed so they're going to attack it this offseason that's their biggest need yeah i mean
1: they're in a they're in an intriguing um, situation because of this whole approach to roster construction that they've had the stars and scrubs thing that we talked about um it needs it needs the stars all firing so immediately you've got the question of well is aaron Donald even going to be there again uh if if he isn't that's one that's arguably the best player in the entire NFL is no longer on the team. That's a pretty big problem. Um, Two of your stars that need to fire are Matthew Stafford and Cooper Cup. In order to do that, they need an offensive line that's at least pretty decent. So for two of those stars to function, the scrubs need to assemble an offensive line that can be pretty good, which is not, you know, the easiest achievement in the world necessarily. Um, So they're in this sort of weird spot where when you look last year – the the year we just had this current year generally speaking the stars still kind of fired like their best players on defense were still Aaron Donald was still Jalen Ramsey was Bobby Wagner who came over um it just didn't matter because everything else fell apart so it's actually the kind of scrubs element of this that needs to get back on track the stars kind of did what they were supposed to obviously Matthew Stafford went down and from that point on the whole thing was obviously dead in the water but they were you know, taking on water way before that ever happened anyway. Uh,
0: you're, you're say, you say scrubs with, as an endearing term, of course.
1: Well, it's just as a, to say, you know, it's a, As a descriptor. A broad yeah. brush descriptor of the people that aren't Aaron Donald.
0: I don't want... It's not the problem with the strategy, the risk associated with the strategy, right? We know what the reward is. The reward is you win the Super Bowl in 2021 with Matthew Stafford. Uh, to me, no matter what anybody says, the, the strategy worked, right? Their aggressive strategy of getting the Jalen Ramseys and Matthew Staffords of the world in lieu of first round, Von Miller's in lieu of top picks, worked because they have a Super Bowl. Then the risk associated with it is you go into the draft, last year they didn't have a pick until pick 104, and they were the ones laughing about whatever whether they were laughing at the Patriots or not. Cole Strange going in the first, because they're looking at guys like Cole Strange who have to come in and fill an immediate need at pick 104. And Logan Bruss was their pick at 104. It's like, ah, oh, this dude's got to come in and play guard for us because that's our hole, right? And he doesn't even play a snap because he gets hurt. And then it all goes downhill. It got, it got even worse from there. They just didn't have the depth to, um, you know, to compete. And this year's draft allotment is similar. We have them with potentially four comp picks, 10 total picks, um, only two picks in the top 100. Um, so there's still plenty of opportunities to pick players but the lower you get in the draft, the hit rates go down. So they got to, you know, hit on some of those picks. And that was part of their other, you know, uh, of the Stars and scrub strategy is they they found starting corners and safeties and stuff in in linebackers rounds three through seven. That was part of it, right? And they didn't necessarily do that last year. They didn't get that immediate impact. So, yeah, offensive line I think is going to get plenty of love by the Rams this offseason.
1: There's, there's an update to the – uh, MVP Super Bowl curse this one's from our guy Josh Dubow from the AP as well uh, MVP since the merger to lose the Super Bowl pre-1999 so you go back further the curse extends Rob only went back to one yeah. Brett Favre 1997 Lost Thurman to Broncos. Thomas 1991 Boomer Esiason Washington. 1988 John Elway 87 right. Dan Marino Washington. 84 Joe Theismann, Niners. 83. Kenny Anderson, Raiders? 81. So the Bengals had the MVP both years they went. 49ers. Um, Larry Brown, 1972. That's the Dolphins. ends the list. But yeah, the Bengals had the, uh, the MVP both years they went. How about that? In the 80s. Kenny Anderson, was that
0: 81? Wasn't Chris telling us he had some like ridiculous game where he had like one completion week one or something? Like, he was so bad in week one and then went on to win the MVP. Like He was good after that. Somebody look that up for us. Somebody <laughs> in the li- the live chat. We're live. Yeah, that isn't here. That's great. Are we moving on? We have two more teams to discuss here. Sure. Oh, we forgot the Titans update. again this year, this week, but, yeah, no, it's fine. It's because the N- uh, the, That's the NFC. San Francisco 49ers, biggest need for the Niners here, Sam.
1: They can go a few different places as well. I went interior defensive line simply because, you know, in this world of what did you last see, all, the last thing I saw was Javon Kinlaw being put on roller skates and tossed out of the club by the Philadelphia Eagles' offensive line. So from that perspective, I'm like, they need to make sure that doesn't happen again. But you could easily argue for, you know, a couple of other positions in them as well.
0: We we make a lot of um, statements here, like, from a process standpoint, that was a good move, right? Remember the Niners' move from a process standpoint? I raved about it. They traded. You did. I didn't like it as much,
1: though. You didn't like it as much. Because to me, this was the... Was it the same year that happened as the um, Diggs-Jefferson trade, or was it a year later, or earlier, rather? Diggs-Jefferson
0: was the same year, 2020.
1: Okay, so two teams essentially did the same thing, right? And on the one hand, you got, like, it worked out as well as it could possibly work out for both sides. And on the other hand, you saw the reason that it's risky. So the, both teams, the selling team, essentially, tried to get rid of a player to get cheaper and use the pick that they got for that player on his replacement. And essentially, if you get it right... You got cheaper and you, you, know, you, you saved every you, you did well. So the Vikings ship off Stephon Diggs who was getting unhappy, they get a hell of a lot cheaper and arguably they get better bringing in Justin Jefferson with their first round pick, that's brilliant. It's great for the Bills who traded a first round pick for the certainty of Stephon Diggs and it's great for the Vikings because they use that pick and they got a guy who's every bit as good as Diggs. The 49ers, well they trade away DeForest Buckner for the Colts, it's great. They pay a first-round pick for the certainty that DeForest Buckner will be really good. He has been really good for them. The 49ers used that first-round pick on a DeForest Buckner replacement, and he has been terrible so far. So Kinlaw just hasn't stepped into those shoes whatsoever. And like this is why the buying team is willing to give you a first-round pick for a guy that comes with a big contract because of the certainty that he's good and the corresponding risk of not finding the good guy if they were to use the first-round pick.
0: Yeah, so well-described for what happened. And now I'm going to say – so Kinlaw has been horrible. And what you mentioned, so the, the big need is the interior of the defensive line. Um, Kinlaw, I just – you know, I love watching player development and all that stuff. He's a big 6'5", six, 6'6", six, six defensive tackle. Sometimes those guys struggle with pad level and playing the run. DeForest Buckner. It is fascinating, by the way, that Justin Jefferson and Diggs – are kind of similarly styled players, right? And Jefferson replaces Diggs. The Niners went with a similarly styled player as DeForest Buckner, a big, long defensive tackle with not nearly the same skills as Buckner. Right? J- Javon Kinlaw has really struggled. And in that Eagles game, I did make it a point to watch Kinlaw on the live broadcast. And he was getting moved by, uh, my favorite description of a defensive tackle that gets moved, moved like a library ladder. Hmm. Library ladder, you know, he's sliding up and down. I mean, he's just getting owned by the Eagles offensive line and it was an issue now I would still go back and defend the move itself for the Niners I still think is probably the right one because I don't know they wouldn't have them they were in a spot in their life cycle as a team and particularly a defense where they had to pay Eric Armstead pay Fred Warner eventually pay Nick Bosa right they got to pay Nick Bosa now They, they, they couldn't afford to have DeForest Buckner on the books for 20 million a year and they, and they, right now, despite Javon Kinlaw, still have a really good defense. Now, it came back to bite last week or whatever, and they, you know, you'd rather be better on the interior of the defensive line. The player itself didn't work out, but the process I still think is sound. Um, they had the money to go get Trevarius Ward at corner. They'll have the money to go get, you know, to re-sign Nick Bosa for the big deal that they need to. So I still think the process is right with the Niners, but it's much better if Kinlaw ended up being a good player. And I think, you know, Kinlaw struggled whoever you want to position Eric Armstead he's an interior he's an edge he plays both Kevin Givens is the backup I mean they they need they just need help there in general
1: the only thing I don't like about it is using the pick the primary pick that you're getting for that guy on the same position like essentially using the pick that you're getting to replace that guy like for like because so many times it doesn't work out and when it doesn't it looks terrible um from a, I I like the concept of we bring this guy in we play him through the entirety of his contract then we move him on for a pick that's as good if not better than the one we spent in the first place but then if you're going to use that pick to try and replace the guy and just swing and miss on it that feels like it stinks like use that pick in a different way use it something some other way than trying to shoehorn a guy that has to now come in and replace one of the best players in the league like when the Vikings trade away Randy Moss and use the pick to replace him on Troy Williamson it's like that's No, don't do that. Use the pick on literally anything else, not the replacement for Randy Moss. That's what the
0: Ravens did this year. They traded Marquise Brown and used their first. Then I think they traded down a couple more times, but the essential replacement was Tyler Lindebaum, right? They went center. Right.
1: So just use it on, like, best player available. Don't use it on the guy that has to come in and try and replace a legend.
0: Yeah, so if that pick was forced because of need, that is where it does become an issue. But I don't – I mean, if you draft a receiver, I don't care. Draft here. Draft all the receivers you want. Unless it's Troy Williamson. Unless it's Troy. Don't draft Troy Troy Williamson. Williamson. So interior defensive line for the Niners as their biggest need. And I still agree with their DeForest Buckner trade. Uh, Last team, NFC West here, Seattle Seahawks. Let me know if I missed anybody. And if you do, I can't see it because I'm in the air. Mm. Seattle Seahawks, we're going uh, defensive line here as the biggest need for the Seahawks.
1: Yeah. I I mean, obviously, if they don't re-sign Geno Smith – it's quarterback, but we'll know about that once we get to free agency. I kind of assume they're going to keep him around. The only question really is what the contract looks like or what the, you know, whether they franchise tag him or, or however it works, but I, I would assume they're going to keep Geno. Um, I think they could still, as is always the case in Seattle, use some offensive line reinforcements, but yeah, defensive line was basically Uchenna Nwosu, not much else. Like Okay, you got Flash. and he's
0: their hybrid you know edge yeah outside back old school outside you, backer type. you got some
1: flashes from shelby harris who they got in, as part of the russell wilson trade Puna ford i don't think had a good season um i think they would have been expecting more from him daryl taylor was
0: a he was a good pass rusher solid pass rusher he had a couple strip sacks in there but very inconsistent especially yeah. against the run. and like
1: you know bruce Irvin, or yeah bruce Irvin comes back as like a part of the rotation like when that when you're sending up the bat signal for bruce Irvin, things have not gone tremendously well on the defensive line
0: look i'll say seattle situation this year versus last year i feel like they accelerated their rebuild and it wasn't really a rebuild It was kind of like with the eagles right it felt like it should have been a rebuild and then they made the playoffs much like the eagles did in two a year ago at this time which means seattle's a super bowl team next year sam
1: yeah
0: um but the Eagles, two years ago, felt like they were rebuilding. I thought Seattle coming into this year felt like they were rebuilding, and then they hit on so many draft picks, shored up the offensive line at tackle for the most part, You know, bring in Tariq Woolen, all that fun stuff. But they haven't brought in impact players on the defensive line in a while, which is why they, they're they the team. As, as soon as they sign Geno Smith, every mock draft is like, Will Anderson or Jalen Carter? Will Anderson, are they taking Edge? Will Anderson, are they taking... Interior defensive lineman Jalen Carter from Georgia, whichever one's available. One of those guys feels very much pegged for Seattle. The most interesting thing, I I say fascinating and interesting a lot, but the thing I want to see here is predicting Seattle's drafts over the last 10 years, Mm. one of the most difficult things to do. And we haven't seen Seattle pick. We saw him pick number nine last year with Charles Cross. I probably said the same thing last year. Predict what Seattle's going to do. Even in the top 10, what are they going to do at four? Maybe it's not a Jalen Carter or Will Anderson, but it does five. feel like oh sorry, five. Defensive line yeah. is gonna be the spot that they're going.
1: Right. I I don't know if either of those guys will make it to five. Um I guess it depends what the quarterback thing looks like in the first few picks, but it it, it is kind of like does the team that brought you LJ Collier covet a Will Anderson? <laughs> like, <laughs> we we wanted this as our, you know, As our answer to an edge rush situation a few years ago, do do you see the thing the same way? Like, are you, do you buy into the idea that Will Anderson is as good as everyone else thinks he does? Or are you going to go for, you know, something completely out of left field as your top five solution?
0: I mean, I think Anderson can do anything be his, you know, hand in the dirt, stand up. But sometimes those are the, like, I don't think he can play with his hand in the dirt. I don't think he's a, he's not my 270 pound. Edge that I like. I don't know. What, I'm not saying Seattle specifically, but people do look at. Uh, Cleveland Farrell went number four overall when it. He was our number five edge on the board. And well, I that think that was. Culture. Was, was a culture. It was a culture pick. Yeah. It
1: didn't work. You had to get the locker room, you know, in shape before you found players. Right. It didn't work. It didn't work for that pick.
0: So, yeah, Seattle's biggest need. We're going defensive line. Look at that. Is that the entire NFC? Hopefully. It should be. So we're gonna do the, we'll are gonna do the AFC on Radio Row yeah, one of so. these days. Mm-hmm. So we'll hit the AFC this week sometime. No promises as to when. <laughs> we're going to have a million interviews, who knows with whom. Um, we'll be doing interviews with all sorts of people. Yeah. And uh, we'll be everywhere. It's going to yes. be great. It's going to be a lot of fun.
1: And we've discovered since the Ireland-France Six Nations game is on at 7.15 in the morning, mountain time, we're probably not going to go to a bar for it. We'll probably watch it on, you know, the TV. Yeah. New school. Peacock. Stream it. I think it's what it streams in. Mike Tarico's probably on the call. No. He calls everything. Yeah. I don't, they, they, it's like one of those things where you get the foreign broadcast and you just pay for the stream. Oh, I got Be you. Ryle. Ryle Nugent. Oh. Is he like the Mike
0: Tarico of. Uh... Sure. Okay. Yeah. Because, you know, so say yes. Mike's all over Pe- oh, you know He does Sunday Night Football. He does, you know, the Masters and all. He's all over Peacock. Yeah. He's not The U.S. This. Open. No. no? All right. Well, there we go. It's your NFC team needs. We got a plane to catch. Hopefully, we're landing right around now. Land that plane in Arizona tonight's. Uh, what do they call it? Opening night now. Yeah, it's like the worst part. I, I, I haven't been to an open. Did you guys go to opening night last year? No, we didn't get until like after. I think. I haven't so. been to an opening night. This will be my third. Also, I think Super the last
1: Bowl. one was somewhere absurd. Like it was nowhere near the convention center. Like Radio Row is. The convention center is usually... Radio Row is usually in the convention center. Let us know in the comments
0: or the chat who do you want us to talk to at opening night. Because yeah. that's when you just like run around all the players. There's thousands of media members there. Right.
1: And that's usually at the stadium or somewhere different. Right.
0: It's not... Like, we're going to be on Radio Row. We Our hotel is in the vicinity. I won't right. tell anybody where our hotel is, like you did.
1: And in L.A., the stadium is nowhere near L.A. So getting, you know, from yeah. the from Radio Row to the stadium... It was a giant pain in the hoop. Yeah. I think it's easier in Arizona. Well, it's going to be great. I'm looking forward to it. So uh,
0: thanks to everybody for tuning in to our NFC team needs. We'll have AFC later in the week, and we'll have uh, five shows. Five shows, probably, yeah. this week. That's the theory. That is what we're looking at here. All right. Thanks to everybody for tuning in. We'll see you again see you sometime this week, Super Bowl Tuesday.